Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name's Ali. I'm joined by my partner in crime, James. Ooh, yeah. James, we got thrown in the clink, dude. Matching prison tats. Oh my god, it was just a mess. That's right. We're talking about the suffering. Talk about a mess. (laughs) Oh no. Well, wait, 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 wait. We gotta ease into it. So, as always, this episode of Zero Brightness is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up and help support the show, help us do what we do. Um, We got some new patrons. Yes. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Thank you so much for everyone. Um, We seem to be rolling along, getting new folks involved, which is awesome. If you don't know, um, the big bonus for being a patron is, of course, we do a bonus episode for every uh, public episode that we release. So there's a show called Zero Brightness Plus. Um, You can check that out on Patreon and see what that's all about. And as always, um, Zero Brightness is a club. And you can listen to the end of the episode to hear what games we're playing next. If you'd like to play along with us, maybe jump in the Discord and bullshit about the games. It's basically like a prison gang, but with video games. Yeah. I, you know, I think uh, our Discord does kind of have that vibe. I'm not going to yeah. contest that. Yeah. We're all going to get matching stick and pokes. <laughs> yeah. Of something like super not tough, like a little kitten or something. Eddie eating pizza. Oh, Eddie eating pizza. Dude, <laughs> I would actually get a real tattoo of that. That would be sick. Yeah, but like Eddie is Bobby Hill. <laughs> Eddie is Bobby Hill smoking the whole carton of cigarettes. Yes. Yes. And See? that carton of cigarettes is our content for you. <laughs> you could be chain smoking our content right now <laughs> if you were a patron. Yes. So the suffering. Mm hmm. Much requested. Yeah. I, we got a lot of requests for this. Yeah. And I kind of feel like this game is seeing sort of a mini renaissance because every time it's brought up, it gets a lot of praise. Well, and I can see why. Because, okay, so this game came out in 2004. It's an action horror game. Mm-hmm. Big emphasis on the action. Yeah, all caps. Yeah. Bold and italic. And it's interesting because going back and playing it is kind of amazing because it is very forward thinking. Like considering that it came out in 2004, it actually predicts a lot of stuff that would become very trendy in game dev over the next like eight years. Hmm. Like even down to using the Havoc engine, which was really popular during the 360s lifespan. Mm -hmm. You know, a couple notable games that use it are like Dark Souls and... Bioshock, of course. Mm. And this game, uh, not only in the tech side, but also in like the way the storytelling is handled, the way the game is laid out, it really forecasts a lot of what would become popular in the next console generation, but it's mm. never talked about in that way. I could totally see that. Right? Because like Resident Evil 4 is the one that people always bring up. Like if you want to talk about a PS2 era game, this was released on the PS2 and Xbox and PC. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to talk about a PS2 era game that gets all the credit, it's Resident Evil 4. And with good reason. Right. Like, 
that influence is not overstated at all. The game was like crazily influential, but playing this game, it's like, Oh, Whoa, wait a minute. I mean, this feels like all of those games before all of those games sort of existed. Yeah. Well, so I mean, not to get too far into it, but this game like feels like a first person shooter, even though the big gimmick of it is that you can switch between first person and third person on the fly at basically any time. To me, it feels more like a half-life, like a fully 3D linear corridor-based shooter. For sure. And I think that in a lot of its choices, it's like halfway between Half-Life, which was the big influential first-person shooter, narrative first-person shooter Mm -hmm. of its time, and the later like third person action games that it also feels like, like Resident Evil four and gears of war. And then, you know, throw in Alan Wake too, in terms of like influential stuff that people like, right. You know, it's a little more loosey goosey. Yeah. It's definitely like a untethered first person shooter experience, right? Like there's no hiding or stealth or anything fancy like that. You're shooting monsters. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what this game is. This game is edgy as fuck. That's what it is. (laughs) It's developed by Surreal Software, who had mostly done, like, sort of like console action games. Yeah, action RPGs. They made the two Drakon games for PC and PS2. Uh And they made a licensed Lord of the Rings game. Like a Fellowship of the Ring, I think. Yeah, which is a pretty fun game. And then they made the two Suffering games. And so this game definitely stands out from that pack, you know, in terms of being like kind of a left turn for the devs. It is interesting. It feels like they're straddling those PC and console worlds. The psychological horror shit was hot. I mean, this was March 04, so... You can tell they took a big inspiration from Silent Hill, especially in the monster designs, and mixed that with just a a balls-out, American-as-fuck action game. Yeah, totally. I mean, this even kind of reminds me of the later American Silent Hill games Hmm. in a lot of ways. I don't think you've played any of those, have you? No. Yeah, so I've played all those, but the last one, the one with the corn song in it. um, (laughs) (laughs) We'll get around to them. Yeah, just in terms of like tone and aesthetics and all that, it actually kind of reminds me of that game. So that's another reason why like I get why people like this because it also kind of has like a light Silent Hill vibe, you know? Yeah, well, so the monsters were made by a uh, special effects movie studio Mm -hmm. and the monster designs are one of the standout things of this game. I would argue yeah. that the the basic peon bad guys are the coolest looking ones. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Far and away. So it's definitely got a cool art style, at, at, at least in terms of the bad guys. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And, well, I think it's kind of a whole thing with this game. We And I've talked about it before on this show, that like with a lot of horror games, it's like the first two hours are the best part. Yeah. <laughs> and... I definitely feel that way about this game, but not for the same reasons that I usually feel that way. I think it was mostly because the first couple hours of this game are very atmospheric. They're more like story and presentation heavy. And then the enemies in that time are like way cooler. I think as the game goes on, I was less interested in the enemies, but the basic enemies in this game are 
great. They have really great sound design. They're like creepy Silent Hill mannequin spider people with knives instead of hands and feet, which is like fucked up. <laughs> yeah, their little clink clink clinks are kind of weird. Yeah, and you hear them like chittering too. They sort of make insectile mouth noises. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. And like, so we played the PC port of this game. Oh, yeah. Which is a terrible port. It's on GOG. Like, I think it's the only version you can get. Yeah, but like, you can still get a disc copy of this game for pretty cheap. And I'm going to go ahead and recommend that because. Yeah. This port crashes all the fucking time, dude. It's definitely a crashy boy. Yeah. Save often. Yeah, I just like couldn't fuck with it. I eventually had to do basically what you ended up doing for Deadly Premonition, where you were like using someone else's save files. Cause like yeah. I just kept hitting choke points where it would just crash over and over Ugh. and over and over. And yeah, so I can't really recommend this port, but it does look really nice. Cause yeah you can upscale it to like 4k with like no issue yeah and it ends up going from like a late ps2 looking game to like an early 360 looking game sure and it has nice lighting and stuff i don't know looks good um so it was essentially designed by a guy named richard rouse he went on the record saying he wanted to make something like devil may cry meets resident evil meets half-life and he was highly influenced by the Stanley Kubrick film, The Shining, which I can see like half those things making sense. I, I don't see the Devil May Cry thing. I mean, you're shooting a lot, expending a lot of ammo, but I don't see like the acrobatics or anything. And I don't really see a lot of The Shining. I could see it. There's like creepy kids. There's like gothic environments. Once you get out of the first area, which is just a prison um, the environments get a lot more like gothic. Uh, I could see a little bit of that influence. I think the whole, I mean, anyone making anything that's even vaguely psychological horror could just say I'm influenced by the shining. And it's like, yeah, right. I mean, you uh-huh. are <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. even if you hadn't said it. One interesting thing that I found is that, um, Midway was the publisher on this one and, uh, they ran a promotional event at, uh, West Virginia state penitentiary which is like a creepy old abandoned penitentiary. Mm. They invited like the press to uh, play the game. Huh. So that's pretty interesting. That's pretty know? cool. And they, 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 they had the demo set up in the cafeteria and everybody could play in jail. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Um, yeah. And like along with the, you know, speaking of the psychological horror element, there is a strong element of that in this game there's sort of a sanity element or mechanic um yeah they call it sanity but it doesn't really work like uh in something like eternal darkness for example it's more Mm -hmm. just like you can build up a meter that lets you do a special but the game tells you not to do it because it's bad for you and you also right. get like flashes of things on screen and little atmospheric stuff that happens. And you'll hear voices telling you to do either good or bad things. Yep. Like the good voice is your dead wife and the bad voice is yeah. something bad, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So it's definitely not as like well articulated as Silent Hill or it's not as like easy to grasp and understand as something like Eternal Darkness. But it's it's in there and it's cool. It has its moments. Yeah, it, it, sometimes it's just really distracting, though, because you'll be in like the middle of a firefight, 
and it'll like flash a low resolution JPEG in your face yeah. of like a child being murdered or something. <laughs> and you're like, what? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely kind of, kind of shoehorned in there, but it's yeah. in there. I would also say that, you know, even though it was a console game first and it was later ported to PC, it really does feel more like a point and click PC shooter. You know, I feel like it was meant to be played on mouse and keyboard. Sure. Like there's no there's no lock on aiming. It's all just like twin stick, like traditional first person shooter aiming. So it does feel better to play on mouse mouse and keyboard. Yeah. There is aim assist. Oh, is there? Yeah. So there I actually spent a little bit of time to get it feeling good on a controller. Mm. So there isn't controller support for this port, which is another knock against it, although the main thing is the crashing. <laughs> like let's let's yeah. be clear. The main thing is the crashing. But it doesn't have controller support, so I used XPatter, which is like third-party mm-hmm. software. And uh, James, you actually found like a profile, yeah, that is like pre-mapped, and that was good. Except you just had to like change one thing, which is that I set the right stick to be mouse emulation instead mm. of the arrow buttons, and then it worked fine. Yeah. But then you can just go in and tweak the sensitivity and like turn up the aim assist. Mm. the aim assist is actually a slider which is kind of cool so if you want you can crank it the fuck up but i didn't even have it like all the way up i think i just turned it up a little bit and then i I found it actually very comfortable to play so we'll get to it in a second but i actually did like the combat and the aiming and the controls and stuff i actually was really surprised at how good it felt and that's another thing like playing this game it's like this doesn't really feel like a ps2 game especially i mean i was playing it with like an xbox one controller and i was like damn this like feels pretty good yeah like i said earlier um you can switch between first and third person on the fly which is pretty awesome because well in first person the fov is like pretty cramped so when exploring third person makes a lot more sense but when you're in the middle of a firefight, I found that first person was a lot more helpful. Yeah, same. So I would just jump into first person when there was 300 bad guys to kill. For sure. <laughs> when it turns into fucking serious Sam. Uh, which happens frequently. Way too often. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of the point of the game. The developer said that he was trying to do action with a horror theme and that they were trying to avoid some of the sort of stalwart things that were showing up in horror games like... Um, avoiding long cutscenes, frail central characters, clumsy controls, fixed camera angles, and sparse ammo. I mean, is it, is it even horror anymore if you take away the shitty controls? Well, I mean, <laughs> I think that's kind of reductive, but <laughs> I do think that, like, they, I mean, they achieved what the director wanted. It's just, I think the big question around this game is, like, is it still a horror game? You know, because like, okay, so so going back to that first two hours thing, like right off the bat, my first impression of this game was like, this is fucking cool because like it's it was it was kind of like sparse and atmospheric. There weren't a ton of bad guys. But when I did encounter Mm -hmm. a bad guy, I had the choice of going in the first person. So it was kind of like fatal frame, but like beefed up. And Uh I I thought that was really cool and the enemy designs were cool and they were scary and they jump out of shadows. The lighting's nice and dark so you can still get like spooked by an enemy. Right. There's also like some pretty cool, subtle, spooky shit in the first couple hours of the game. Like there's a mechanic where you can look at security cameras. 
Yeah. And like, yeah. you can look at one and it'll show you and you see someone creeping up on you and then you like exit out and no one's there, you know? Yeah. Stuff <laughs> like that. That's actually really subtle and cool. And so I was like, man, this is like really good. But by the time I'd played two hours of the game, it was like, okay, I have pretty much all the weapons in the game. I have mm-hmm. basically infinite ammo for all of them because you find like so much ammo and so many health items. And anytime that I encountered an enemy, it wasn't like, oh, this is going to be scary or atmospheric or whatever. It was like, oh, there's an enemy. There must be like 20 more behind him and I'm just going to stand here and yeah. kill them all. I mean, Serious Sam can't be scary. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I think that was kind of that was a bummer because then that's sort of the trajectory of the rest of the game i mean they just escalate that aspect of it they don't really escalate the horror aspect of it they just kind of like walk you through different environments so i I think that's really like a central thing with this game and i was even thinking about so i just said like a couple episodes ago that i had like every american released horror game on the ps2 except i didn't have this one because i didn't like know it was a horror game <laughs> well you know <laughs> and i i, I don't thought think it, you were too far off base that's what i'm saying like my characterization of it was that it like wasn't a horror game and playing it again mm-hmm. now i'm kind of like well i don't know if that was right but i also don't know if that was wrong there's even some points where it, it's kind of confusing actually uh you'll get to some points where enemies just like spawn forever yeah, which is really really confusing because the game ninety nine percent of the game that's not the case. Yeah, so there's part where you're in like the showers in the prison, and these bad guys just keep spawning over and over, and you can't stop it. I th- I think the goal is to just like run through some fire, which is something you don't think you should be able to do, but that ends up being what you need to do. It's so weird. Yeah, it's. Yeah, okay, so some of the choices in this game that I was referencing earlier that to me made it feel very forward-thinking also kind of hold it back. Because, like, for example, the game really likes giving you set pieces, which is, like, the big thing that was, like, the buzzword in the 360 era. was, like, a game that kept giving you set pieces. Like, you walk in and it's a scene, (laughs) you know? Yeah, totally. This game likes to do that, but it's really bad at setting the scene and signposting what you should do. Mm, so, yeah. yeah, like that scene, that part in the shower is it's like you go in and that is a set piece. Like a bunch, there's a new enemy. You've just found this enemy for the first time. It's the most annoying enemy in the game, in my opinion. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. They're these guys called, they're called mainliners so stupid (laughs) so stupid and they have a bunch of needles sticking out of their backs and then they like throw the needles at you yeah um they're really short so it's basically like if odd job was a junkie and would throw needles at you um (laughs) he looks like they look like Gollum or something Gollum with like needles sticking out of their eyes hey man they did that lord of the rings game so oh yeah there we go they probably just copy pasted that shit yeah uh so yeah like you you found this new enemy you've just fought it for the first time now you're in this area where they'll spawn forever and you're Mm -hmm. supposed to just run through but there's no like hint that you're supposed to do that so i actually tried to sit there and fight them and i probably spent Mm -hmm. like 15 minutes just like Mm -hmm. killing these things and i was like oh i think i'm supposed to run through but then I, i ran through and i was out of all my items so i had to reload it 
and do it yeah. again. So fun fact, I did that. Uh, I started the game on normal, and then I got to that point, and I used every single bullet I had. Yeah, I was like, man, this game's hard. Uh, I should play it on easy. So I started the entire game over and got to that point again on easy. Damn. And then I uh, used all my ammo there again, too. God. Yeah. I played it on easy from the start, and it's still hard. So anyway, I mean, that is just a microcosm of like a problem that recurs throughout this game. It's like you keep wandering into different scenarios and you, you keep meeting characters and like, it's so like frequently you'll be running around and you'll meet a character and you can either like kill them. There's always a voice in your head. That's like, yeah, just kill him or yeah. you can help him. So if you decide to help the character, it starts like a little sequence where you're going to help the character and those can just be like really weird and confusing. Like maybe you want to help yeah. this character. Or you want to complete this thing, but you don't really get any like context for what you're supposed to do. And so you're kind of just like running around just like confused. Well, you do get a lot of good color commentary if you keep those people alive. Right. Like the first one I think you meet is like a prison warden and he uh-huh. just like berates you the whole time. Yeah. Like calling you like a piece of shit and whatever. And you're like keeping him alive. The dialogue in this game is just like so like cringy and harsh and it just tries to be so edgy all the time. Yeah. It, it's comical really. I mean the opening cutscene is like legendary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that george carlin sketch with all the bad words all at once it's so good so the opening cutscene is is torque torque (laughs) torque walking into jail just got admitted gets into his uh, his block and uh you know he gets in his cell and then they basically introduce you to this like little cast of characters and they just cuss and yell shit at each other uh, people get called like crackers. It's it's really good, <laughs> but it's it's like it's horrible, but it's also awesome in this like shitty TBS drama kind of way. It's horrible, but then like they kill all those characters in that same cutscene. Like before yeah. you take control of Torque, all those characters are dead, mm-hmm. and then like I don't know that tone kind of goes away. Like after that, I think the characters are just sort of bad like yeah but like i was into that opening cutscene i was like damn if it's gonna be like like if it's gonna be like i'm gonna get you sucker like you know that movie yeah or like msnbc lockup yeah (laughs) yeah like if it's gonna be like that i'm really into it and if it was like campier but they don't actually go for that and like it just kind of comes off as like stupid and, mm-hmm. and then there's like some weird like racial stuff that we'll probably get into that. I was like, kind of like, Oh, I don't know yeah. about all that. I think you, you kind of like touched on this a bit, but there's a morality system through the entire game. And if, if, if you choose to like help people and keep them alive, that'll go towards your invisible morality points. Sometimes visible. It pops up on screen occasionally as that little blue bar. Does it? That so there's a little blue bar that wow. pops up on screen every once in a while, and that's your like morality meter. That's how much I gave a fuck. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's actually super easy to miss. I just caught it, and then I was like, "What the fuck was it?" The game does not tell you what it is, wow. and then I like Googled it, 
And it was like, oh, that's actually like your morality. But you can't check it. And it only comes up every once in a while. Yeah. So if you're a good boy and you don't use your monster skills very often, you can get the good ending. But none of the endings are very good. Right. So that's kind of the sanity thing we referenced earlier. Basically, as you fight and kill things and see monsters, you have like a sanity meter and it fills up. And that's you going insane. It's kind of not very intuitive. But when it's full, you can unleash like a monster form of yourself and you turn to a monster and you can like kill enemies and you have to change back before it depletes. Otherwise you die. It's like when George goes super Saiyan at the end of Deadly Premonition. Yes, exactly. And actually the last boss of this game is pretty much the last boss of Deadly Premonition. (laughs) I think there may have been some crossover. But what I was going to say is that... uh, you, you can't use that monster power too much. Otherwise, it affects your morality score. And if you get a low morality score, you can get a neutral or bad ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if, yeah. You, uh, if you keep your monster mode on and it empties all the way, you just straight up die, you which die. is weird. Yeah. So, like, there's, like, bottles of pills everywhere in this game. And it's how you heal yourself. And the shit's called mm-hmm. Zombium with the X. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just like the stupidest thing ever to me. <laughs> yeah. Exombium. I mean, like, if you're going to play this game, you have to be ready for some, like, very 2004 edginess. Yeah. Like, you you just you just have to. I'm sorry. They actually should have called it the, the suffering and then just put, like, X's between all the words. So it's like XX, the XX suffering. No, just XX. the suffering with an X instead of S the suffering (laughs) the suffering yeah Yeah, exactly alright so I'm gonna cover the story real quick okay (laughs) Torque that's you is sent to death row for murdering his family and after a brief introduction shit hits the fan start shooting (laughs) the end yeah I mean okay so here's okay so this is another thing once again Everything in this game is like a double-edged sword. <laughs> like the way that they present the story is forward-thinking and it's kind of interesting, but there really isn't any actual story content. Mm. So basically like the, the setup of the game is that you're in jail for murdering your family, but you can't remember why. Your character is a silent protagonist, which I do kind of think hurts the game personally. It's very fucking stupid. Yeah. All the shit's going on, and he's just, like, quiet the whole time with, like, a dumb grin on his face. And his <laughs> stupid sideburns. Who does his that? His sideburns are really bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're in jail for killing your family. You don't know if you did it because you blacked out mm-hmm. or something. And you have, like, rage issues, so you're not sure, like, maybe you killed your family. So... As you go through the game, there's all this, like, sanity effects type stuff. Like, you're seeing visions of your wife talking to you. And mm-hmm. some of those are actually really cool. Like, there's one where she's, like, behind some bars and these monsters keep appearing around yeah. her. It's like, there's some cool shit. But then you're also seeing these kind of dumb things where, like, yeah, low-res, like, JPEGs are flashing while you're, like, trying to shoot the monsters. Yeah. Or, like, a dude will be asking for help and then you'll hear a monster voice, like, kill that motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. And you hear your wife's voice like, no, he's just confused. Yeah. Your dead wife is your voice of reason. It's like the worst version of like Hellblade. Oh, I didn't didn't play that. Is that like that? Hellblade has this thing where um, the main character 
is a schizophrenic. Okay. So if you're playing the game with headphones on, you're hearing like all these voices swirling around your head. Uh-huh. It's like schizophrenia ASMR, and it's like really effective and cool. Uh, this is the awful version of that. <laughs> well, it's once again, it's the 2004 version. Yeah. Like, I know you don't like to do this, James, but I like to put things in the proper context. <laughs> like, you really have to remember that this game is from 2004. Well, okay. But so were other horror games with good sound design. Yeah. I'm not saying it, like, excuses it, but it's like... <laughs> all this shit is stuff that would be done better later yeah. and it's like super embryonic here yeah so that's i mean that i'm kind of just I'm, I'm talking out loud here i don't really know how i feel about this game <laughs> so i'm sort of trying to work through it like but i kept coming back to that you know and it's i don't know it's also like okay so obviously if you've heard the alan wake episode we sort of just went in on that <laughs> game like as hard as we could and i think for me it's because like that era i have less like sympathy for because mm. it's like old enough to know better i it's guess a, it has no excuses uh, right i think with 2004 i give it a lot more leeway because the stuff coming out at this time that was doing this stuff was actually innovative and forward thinking and creative mm. you know like even if they didn't nail it or even if it's like not even good it's like okay like i have to give you some credit for doing this because this wasn't like a thing yet mm. like okay you remember those uh I think it was Jack and Daxter. Do you remember yeah, those games? Yeah. So I think it's Jack two is the one where they went like grim dark and they made grand theft auto uh-huh. Jack and Daxter. Like I don't really like that game and I didn't like it when it came out, but <laughs> I gave it credit and I give it credit now. Cause it's like, it was not yet just an easy press the button to win thing to just do a grim dark open world reboot of your game. Sure. And they did it at a time when that was actually like creative and sort of shocking. Yeah. Right. To go from character platformer cutesy shit to like, you know, in a world. And I I don't know, like I I give them, I give them credit for that as opposed to someone doing that now or even someone doing that like in 2012 where it's like, oh, oh, really? Cool. Yeah. Everybody remembers the Splatterhouse reboot. (laughs) Do they? Actually, let's forget about that. Yeah, I think we're all kind of in the same boat there. Okay, so let's let's talk about the music and sound a little bit because this game definitely cops the Silent Hill dark industrial slash ambient thing, but it does it in a really, uh, let's say, ignorant way. Okay, the the musician slash composer is this dude named Eric Aho, and. Uh, this is a quote from him. In retrospect, some of the ambient pieces fall within the dark ambient genre of electronic music. Although neither Boyd, the other compu- composer, or I were aware of other artists creating this kind of music. <laughs> he was basically just copying Silent Hill with no context of that sort of music. Yeah, for sure. Blech. Oh, so uh, <laughs> a lot of the instrumentation you hear on the soundtrack is handmade by a sculptor and so it's just a bunch of weird found instruments and he like plays them with a cello bow and makes a scary horror sound or whatever um but that just makes it all more like disappointing that these people don't know who like Einsturz and Newbouten are yeah Blech. and if you don't you can listen to our music of Silent Hill episode 
and also listen to the companion playlists and then you'll know and be cool and know all about dark ambient music <laughs> i mean we may be smug about it but at least we're informed <laughs> <laughs> no i'm i'm with you it's it's kind of sad because it's also like i mean i think the music in this game is fine it is exactly what you're describing it's totally like a big budget dark ambient horror movie score mm-hmm. It's there. If you catch snippets of it, it's like, oh, that's fine. Sure. But it's not going to stick with you. None of it is memorable. Yeah. I, I would at least say that the music, the composition, and music design is better than the overall sound design. Because a lot of the sound design is just very ham-handed. Yeah. Like, I like the sound design on the grunt enemies and everything else. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not not super with it. I agree with your note here that the mix is not very good. Yeah. Um, like it's just very flat. So like you'll be kind of in an area where there's like ambient sound and sound effects and all stuff. And you'll come upon an NPC and their voice is just like super dry and in your face. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to take seriously. Yeah. But I think this is also, so the whole presentation of it, I guess this is what I was trying to get to earlier. And then I totally lost my train of thought. Cause I think I started talking about Alan Wake and my brain just started panicking. <laughs> uh, um, like the whole presentation of this game is interesting because they are kind of doing something like Alan Wake or really Half-Life where it's like everything is happening for lack of a better term in camera sure. right like you don't have to cut to a cutscene as much as a normal game there are still cutscenes but they're pretty sparing yeah. in the like overall and most of the context and you know, uh, information is conveyed to you while you're playing. Yeah. So that's cool. And that puts it like above Alan Wake, which kept slowing down the, down the action, even outside of cutscenes, And to me, like kind of ruined that whole part of the game. What you mean? You don't want to take a break during the middle of your level and watch an episode of the twilight zone. Yes. That's precisely what I'm saying. <sighs> but yeah, it's like, they made that choice, which is an interesting, forward-thinking, cool choice, but then it's just, it's not executed very well, and then it's also, like, the content. So, like, with the music, it's, like, the music is there, it's fine, but it's just, like, not super compelling. Mm-hmm. With the story, it's, like, it's there, it's fine, but it's just not super compelling. It's not fine, like, though. It's fucking stupid. And we'll get into, like, yeah. the antagonists and everything, but it's really fucking stupid. I felt like I was watching, like, a Batman cartoon half the time. Uh-huh. That's, that's actually a very good um, comparison. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I, I think I'd rather watch a Batman cartoon. Yeah, Batman animated series is fucking awesome. Yeah, dude. he would punch those dudes hard in the face. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. I want to talk about the bad guys a little bit. Because we, we touched okay, on okay. this a little bit. Because they're probably the highlight of the game. At least some of their designs. They were all designed by Stan Winston Studios. Which is like a legendary 
practical effects studio in Hollywood. They did shit for Terminator, Terminator 2, Aliens, Predator, Pumpkinhead, Jurassic Park, and fucking you name it. They have, like, the pedigree to, like, make dope shit. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. But, like, all of the bad guys are, like, stupid metaphors for, like, ways to execute prisoners. Yeah. So, like, you know, the regular ones, they're called Slayers. They have, like, sword arms and legs. And I guess that's for, like, beheadings and shit. (laughs) And then there's, like, these big fat boys uh, called Marksmen. And they're basically, like, walking tanks with guns on their backs. Really dumb looking. But it's like the firing squad. We talked about the mainliners already. They're clearly lethal injection. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it just keeps going on and on. And they keep getting like dumber and dumber. Yeah, they do. Um, it's pretty bad. There's these like fat bloated guys that all came off of like a slave ship. Yeah. So they're like fat slave traders and they explode when you kill them. They're called festers or uncle festers if you're nasty. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and like, there's actually a sort of, so you can pick up documents in the game, but they're not like documents in a horror game. They're basically like extra lore that you can go to a separate menu screen and then read slash listen to someone narrate the thing that you're looking at. Why did they voice that? Like, I don't know. So one of them is a guy named Clem who's like a southern he sounds like foghorn leghorn yeah you know uh, i'll say i'll say he sounds like that uh he just stepped straight off the plantation mm-hmm. uh in more ways than one and we'll get to that it's pretty bad yeah. i keep like hinting at this but man it's pretty bad uh we'll get there and then uh there's another one which is like one of the co's wives and you meet him later mm-hmm. her name is consuela yeah. And yeah, Consuela like was just like curious and so wrote about all this shit going on in this prison. And it's like, it's just so bad because like it's one thing if you were supposed so like if you just looked at the mainliners, right? Mm. You're like, well, you don't know they're called that, which is one positive. <laughs> and then you'd also be like, oh, I don't know. People do drugs in prison. So like these guys are like junkies or some yeah. shit. And then, no, it's like, there's like a narration by Clem, like, the mainliners are the foulest creatures I've ever laid eyes upon, and they represent, he actually says shit like, they represent, like, prisoners who are lethally injected, and it's like, dude, what? My favorite (laughs) part of Silent Hill 2 is when they explained everything to me, (laughs) not... I mean, sure. In that case, maybe it would have stopped people speculating on how all the enemies in every Silent Hill game are like, you know, allegorical. Mm -hmm. But this is not a solution to that. This is bad. I hate it. I hate it. So, yeah, it's it's like really lame. Mm -hmm. But it's also just so weird because it's like they did that. Like they made that (laughs) choice and and on the other hand though it's like that's once again like kind of forward thinking like having a separate menu screen that's just for lore and it's not just notes you can read through there's like a visual and an audio component and there's a lore component and it's like that is kind of impressive and forward thinking it's just also not good i'd give it more credit if it wasn't so fucking stupid 
Yeah. Like, if this game was written... Competently? Yeah. I was just going to say written. But yeah, <laughs> written competently. Sure, sure. Uh, it, it would... This kind of stuff would all land better, for sure. Okay, so not only are these monsters running amok, spawning serious slam style all over the penitentiary, there are also three spirits haunting Torque for some reason. One's evil, one's neutral, and one is good. The good one is a guy named Horus, and he's like an electricity ghost. He was killed in the electric chair, and he wants to help Torque. And then there's a Dr. Killjoy. He actually worked at the sanitarium on the island. Uh, he kind of like pokes and prods at Torque. He unleashes uh, the like beast magic that Torque can do. He's like more interested in Torque's psyche. And then the dumbest of the three is Hermes. He's a uh, evil. He's like a gas chamber monster. Yeah. And he's really fucking stupid. And his dot, everything he says is like comedy gold because it's so fucking stupid. Yeah. And his, um, his voice actor, uh, he laid it on thick with the performance. But he also sort of uh, breathed very loudly through his nose a lot yeah. into the mic. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like a choice that someone was like, yeah, do that. And I'm going to contend that that was not a good choice. That was a bad choice, actually. I feel like he was doing like dabs in the vocal booth. <laughs> and they were like recorded him exhaling. Yeah. Exhaling the dabs. Totally. It's got that big dab energy. Okay. Fun fact, when like the, I don't know what you, the move, it's not a dance move, it's just like a physical motion dabbing became popular. Oh yeah. Like, and someone said, or I read somewhere like teens are dabbing like crazy. I thought they meant the drug thing. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, teens stop dabbing. Holy shit. (laughs) Like, like I'm pretty open-minded, but I don't think teens should dab. I think they should. If you don't know what we're talking about, look it up. Have you been to high school recently? (laughs) High school's hard. Do all the drugs you want, kids. Yeah, I mean, I guess when I was in high school, like, K2 was popular, and that's way worse, so. Whatever gets you through the day. <laughs> no, don't do K2. Whatever gets you through English 1 at 8 a.m. Don't do K2. <laughs> I don't care if you're having a hard time with Dickens. Don't do K2. Look, man. I used to be a high school teacher, and I'm saying, go to school high. What are they going to do? You're already high. Not on... <laughs> Dude, K2 is fucked. Yeah, normal <laughs> weed is fine. Don't K2 is synthetic weed. It makes you hallucinate. It's really bad. Yeah. It's like the original bath salts. Like, when I was in high school, instead of doing bath salts and eating someone's face off, you would have, like, done K2 and eaten someone's face off. Done K2 and got arrested for shoplifting. <laughs> and then eating a cop's face. Yeah. Actually, that sounds way cooler than I intended it to. Yeah, like, do that, kids. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jesus. And then you could be like, Torque. Yeah, then you could be like, Torque. Yeah, Hermes. Uh, not to be confused with Hermes Conrad from Futurama, the best character who just wants a manwich. Or the legendary South Texas guitar store, Hermes Music. Oh. Nice. Where I bought my first guitar, and you can get your Conjunto accordion. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's if right. you're in 1996. Yeah, it's probably not there anymore, I assume. No. no. It's just another hollowed out fucking strip mall and yeah. middle American shithole. The real survival horror. <laughs> what, retail Capital. in 2019? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so, okay, talking about these sort of enemies, it you have to give the context of them. And this is like another kind of problem with this game is that the way the game is set up is there's this plot line about Torque. Is Torque good? Is Torque bad? Did he kill his family? Well, that's mm-hmm. up to you, player. This is a little choose-your-own kind of adventure. Yeah, um, well, that's the thing. Like, well, spoiler alert. Uh, being good, bad, or neutral through the game determines the ending, which determines whether Torque killed his family or not. Yeah, that's, so. a, that's a bold leap. Uh, yeah. We have seen it before. A little game called Layers of Fear 2. Ugh. We all we all know how that ended, so we're not going to talk about it. God. Um, but so, like, there's that, and then there's, like... Okay, so then there's another sort of implicit central mystery, which is that Torque showed up in prison, and the gates of hell opened, and there's demons everywhere. Yeah. Like, uh, and here's a... I mean, this isn't a spoiler. They don't deal with that. That's not part of the plot. Well, they do a little. Not really, though. Where? So... Okay, it's it's kind of mentioned by some NPCs. The second or third NPC you run across is an old prison buddy from another prison, and he mentions that in the basement they're doing MK Ultra experiments. Uh, yeah. And if, if 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 you the listener are not familiar with Project MK Ultra, look that shit up. And if you respect the United States government, you won't after you read about MK Ultra. <laughs> Yeah, it was basically like uh, widespread brainwashing experiments all, all throughout the country. Uh, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, was actually one of the victims of MK Ultra. He was like brainwashed huh. by one of his college professors, and that's why he fucking started sending bombs to college professors and shit. Crazy. Yeah, there's another part called a uh, Operation Midnight Climax. Have you heard of that? I don't think so. It was these guys uh, picking up prostitutes, and the prostitutes were actually government officials. And the prostitutes would bring them back to motels with one-sided glass, and they would spike them with LSD and just, like, make these guys trip balls. And then they would watch them through the fucking wall all night while these people tripped balls without their consent. Crazy. Uh, Yeah. It's, like, total Alex Jones shit, but it's all, like, really true. Yeah. The most terrifying thing about Alex Jones is that, like, every once in a while, something he'll say is true. Yeah. Like, I heard once he was, like, ranting about, like, oh, they went to Guatemala and they were injected children with syphilis. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? So I looked it up and it's real. Yeah. The the U.S. government did a bunch of, like, fucked up shit. It's great. Look it up. (laughs) Operation Paperclip. Look that shit up. Yeah, I was going to bring up Operation Paperclip. Yeah, I mean, the government's just done so much fucked up shit. And they, for a long time, they were just into these really wacky, quasi-supernatural, like, programs. And they actually really did that shit, and it's super fucked up. Yeah. Um, Doesn't mean that you should be (laughs) Alex Jones, but, yeah. I went down this rabbit hole. Actually, after Twin Peaks The Return aired... Uh, I went down the Jack Parsons rabbit hole, and he was this, like, satanic Alistair Crowley kind of follower, and he was part of Operation Paperclip, and he worked on, like, the rockets for nukes and all this shit, but he he performed, like, sex magic with his wife and stuff. Really interesting shit. Yeah. And it all ties into Twin Peaks loosely, so if you want to go down that rabbit hole, it's really interesting. There's a drunk history about him. Oh, really? (laughs) 
yeah, I'll have to check really that good. out. Yeah, you should. It's really good. I love that show. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. So it doesn't explain what's going on in this game, though, James. <laughs> MK, look, MK Ultra is going on in the basement. So clearly, you're battling psychological LSD demons of all LSD of demons? the de- LSD demons of all the deceased prisoners that have been executed. Well, okay, so duh. <laughs> What I'm trying to say is that this is all well and good, but it doesn't contradict my original point that they don't deal with that plot point. <laughs> <laughs> they like so you never find out what's going on. And instead of dealing with that as a plot point, the game pivots and instead has this sort another kind of implicit plot point that like the island or the land that mm-hmm. the prison is on, it's called Carnate Island. Mm-hmm is evil evil incarnate oh my god oh my god i feel like i just got hit over the head with a pan yeah you're welcome yeah there's also like a a crash slave ship where a bunch of like slaves like died and drowned yeah so so you go through a bunch of places that are all and and clem of course is your is your humble narrator telling you all the shit that's going on and so it's like yeah okay you go to the prison and it's like all the co's are insane and they murder people there and they do like mk ultra right then you get out of the prison and you go do you go to the asylum after that i think i think so yeah I mean, so then you go to the asylum cares, fuck this game yeah yeah okay so you go to the asylum and it's all like 30s 40s kind yeah of? And everybody talks like this yeah tw- actually 20s 30s because yeah. this is a later 40s place so let's say 20s Curly mustaches 30s. and shit yeah the cuphead part of the Those game big comical bicycles and stuff yeah yeah penny farthings yeah uh mustaches uh cuphead so Monocles. yes peanut and <laughs> so there you've got uh dr killjoy which also is like woof um yeah. so that place is like okay this guy was crazy and ran an evil asylum where he just like tortured people and turned people into monsters basically yeah. right okay so then you go to the slave stuff So you go to a dock and it's like, oh, slave ships landed here. So there's like slave traders and like dead slaves and shit. And then and Clem calls you a Negro. Like, what the (sighs) fuck, Clem? God. Yeah. And I'm still saving this. We're going to get to this. You guys are going to have to wait, but we're going to fucking get to this. Uh, So and then you go to this area that's like this weird plot line. I didn't totally understand about like World War Two and Nazis yeah Um, apparently there was like a military bunker like on the island too maybe it was part of the prison maybe it wasn't kind of confusing so those areas all suggest that basically in every time period there was like some sort of evil on the island and that the island is evil Mm -hmm. now that doesn't really get wrapped up either like you get a lot of lore and backstory on these various stories but it there's no there's nothing tying them together it's just this vague thing from the cutscenes and other npcs and consuela's journal uh that like the island is evil and that's kind of all you yeah it's 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 all you get and then the end of the game is like okay back to the torque stuff and that's yeah. just like right at the end 
you do retread a bunch of like the prison shit that you had already gone through, which is yeah. a total bummer. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is that for all of the like forward thinking and innovative ways that they decided to tell this story, there isn't actually a story in this game. <laughs> it's just a bunch of stuff happening without any connective tissue. Yeah. And in between it is just a lot of fucking shooting. Like a lot of shooting. I don't know if we've harped on this enough. Like all you do in this game is shoot. It's like set up like an old FPS where you go into a big room and like waves after waves of guys come and you shoot them all. There's a bunch of like pretty like basic puzzles. Yeah. Like, um, so the, the needle monsters, the mainliners, they come out of water. So there's rooms that are flooded. You have to figure out how to like turn off the flooding or things like that. Or there might be like fire, uh, blocking your path so you have to flood the room and then like push push a box on top of the drain so the room fills up with water and you can exit like simple dumb stuff like that that kind of just breaks up the pacing of the game yeah um, I don't know if it helps it or not yeah it's there it's there I mean I don't know I guess like it does so, you know, I, I have been trying to bring up the ways in which this game benefits from having these elements that it pulls from, like, later games, you know, and, and contemporaries like Half-Life, Half-Life 2, um, stuff like that. But it also sort of hurts it because they just throw in these things to just slow you down rather than really letting you explore a lot. Yeah, and, and it, like- it doesn't really, like, telegraph what you're supposed to be doing at certain points so you're kind of just like stuck like scratching your head several times yeah yeah for sure and you can get lost but i did never feel like i was really exploring it, it kind of gives you that illusion of you getting lost something that half-life does really well too mm-hmm. yeah, yeah but man looking at it half-life came out in 1998 a solid yeah. five to six years before this game yeah. Well, and when did Half-Life 2 come out? Half-Life 2 came out before this game, right? November 04. So oh, a couple okay. months later. Yeah. Man, but yeah, just think about the the huge leap between this game and Half-Life 2. I mean, yeah. Half-Life 2 was a, like a serious game changer. Half-Life 2 right. was one of those games that basically like signaled the next generation of gaming. So. Right. And I guess that's... I think this is a game that had that potential and is kind of doing that they just don't nail it Mm. and speaking of things that they don't nail (laughs) it is now time to enter the critical issue lightning round (laughs) and let's let's talk about i mean i've been putting it off because listeners it is grim it is dark (laughs) it's grim dark Okay. <laughs> so, James, why don't you take it away with the bold black text that you have in the notes here to start? Uh, all right. The, the problem with this game, we finally have a, a black protagonist, but he's written by a white guy, and he's a fucking prisoner in death row for murder. <laughs> yeah. And, I okay, I, I found a quote from the developer that I found, like, even more, like, problematic. This is what he said about Torque. We didn't really want a character that looked of any particular nationality or race, which is bullshit. Torque is clearly a black dude and his family's all black. He really is almost Neanderthal in appearance. He's very primal. 
we wanted that strength to come through. Yeah. And like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, I know. He's like one word away from just saying something straight up racist <laughs> in that sentence. Like, this is pretty racist, but he's like one. He's like one word away from just like really just sinking the ship of this statement. Um, yeah, it's really weird because like he's OK. Well, so, OK. Torque is a weird looking character like mm-hmm. but he is supposed to be black like his whole family like the children that he yeah. has with his wife and his wife like, it's like they're black like he's black and like when you first go into prison <laughs> like they talk about how he like killed a bunch of Klansmen uh-huh, and it's like <laughs> they're signaling all this stuff to you that it's like yeah he's black but he is really weird looking, which isn't some sort of cool choice or some exoneration for the racial politics of this game. It's just more yeah. like weird. It's like, did none of you, your character designer didn't know how to draw a black eye. I mean, there are black characters in the game who <laughs> look normal. I don't know yeah. why. I don't know why he couldn't have just been like a normal looking like black character. I don't understand. So he's a black guy with like white guy, like ska sideburns. Yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> it's true. His styling is like only a white guy in a ska band would have that. So maybe that's why I'm feeling confused. But but he like it, they did make him look like a Neanderthal or something. Like he looks weird. He is mute, which like doesn't help anything because he can't speak for himself and he can't say anything. So people just project things onto him. Like one dude's yeah. like, you killed a bunch of Klansmen. And then our dude's like, Oh, I know you from this other prison or whatever. And it's like, what is this like signaling that I'm getting here? Like, what is this dude? But so we, we know he's black. Like he's supposed to be black, whatever they're trying to say, they're showing us. It's like, okay, he's black. So then the later there's like this stuff about like slaves and like, yeah the slave ship showing up and this place being evil. And it's like, what is the point of this? Like when this was happening, I was like, what is the point of this? Like, why are you doing this? Well, they're trying to tackle a bunch of heavy shit, but they do it in the most ham handed way. And I have another quote from the guy over, over this Rouse to have a disturbing and unsettling tone. We knew that the creepy monsters alone would not be enough. Therefore we wanted to tie into real world, horrific events. Thus, the storyline is suffused with the darkest elements of American history, including prison life and culture, slavery, racism, unethical medical experimentation, mob mentality executions, and the death penalty. This is fairly serious subject matter for a video game, particularly an action-adventure, and it amplified the horror of our world tremendously. Uh, no. No. So, Like, what position are the developers taking on all this? Is it just pure nihilism or, you know, I don't. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, that's the problem. The problem is that they don't have anything to say. Like, (laughs) exactly. The stuff is in the game, but it's literally just in there. There's no message. There's no point. Mm -hmm. There's, there's no, there's no content. And so when that stuff starts to happen, it's like, oh, this is like really, really fucked up, right? right? Like, because you're just showing me this stuff, but you're not commenting on it at all. And like, 
you're not saying anything. And even some of this stuff, like if you know your history, it's like, okay, if you wanted to really make a statement about this, like you could actually use something real from history. If these people had it in their souls to do it in a respectful way and like make a comment on this, right? Like you're going to have a black character who people like comment on him being black and then like you're going to have this element of like black history and some of the horror but then like you're going to bring up uh what what does he say uh this quote made me think of it he says uh unethical medical experimentation when there's like a very famous uh incident called the Tuskegee experiment yeah where they experimented on black men uh in the what is this in the 30s well the 30s to the 70s holy shit fuck I didn't realize it went on that long. But they, they basically, like, gave people syphilis as, like, mm-hmm. part of an experiment. And yeah. so it's, like, that's actually a real thing from history that happened. I mean, I think there's probably a way to write something about that. But also, it's, like, I am i don't know. I'm not going to have... Personally, I don't have faith in this, like, white dude named Josh or whatever to, like... <laughs> write about that but it just seems almost even more tasteless to just like diarrhea splatter all this shit yeah like on the game and that's what i mean like this game doesn't actually have a story it's just a bunch of like stuff and then some of the stuff starts to correlate in a way that's like yuck because then you also have like these hispanic inmates Mm -hmm. who are like they're almost like South Park characters. Like they're this really jokey over the top stereotype that caricature like caricature gangbangers. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I forget what they, they even say something that's like totally, it's just like a white guy just being like, Oh, Hey, I see. like, it's like super bad. And I was like, God, this is like fucking bad, dude. Yeah. And, and then it's like, not even funny. Like, no, it, and it has stupid. Yeah, it's just stupid. And then in the context of the whole game, like having all of this racially charged stuff just like in there, it's fucked up. Yeah. Great way to like bring it up and not handle any of it. I bet this dude's a libertarian. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Um, But it's just like, it's just so distracting because once again, like the story, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, Mm. It's it's just a shooting game. Like, you spend most of the game just shooting stuff. And since Torque is a silent protagonist, you never, like, empathize with him. Why the fuck isn't this guy talking? Jesus. (laughs) Like, you empathize with his, like, dead wife more than you empathize with him. Well, you, yeah, I mean, you talk to her a lot more than you talk to him, for sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think it's just... Well, and if you're wondering why we're talking about this so much, um, when I literally just said it doesn't matter, I think the reason that it stuck with me is that when you get into the back half of this game, this game is pretty long for what it is. It's eight, nine hours. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's too long. It's it's long. So when you get into the back half of it, it's like there's all this shooting, and you're just like looking for anything to break it up, and you're mm-hmm. just running into these like story beats right and they're just like they just get worse and worse and i definitely like yeah when i ran into clem and he started yeah spouting whatever the fuck he was spouting i was like dude i mean what's even the point of like bringing a slave ship into the story yeah none holy it's just like edgelord shit yeah but it just makes the back half of the game even worse functionally because like i said it's just straight up running and shooting and then 
you're just like looking for any distraction from that. If you're me and it's just like, it's not there, you know, imagine like a really good, like psychological horror game based on the MK ultra experiments. Like you could go so many different cool ways with that, you know? Yeah. And this does none of those things. Yeah. There just isn't really any depth to it. And that was, that's kind of like my, my takeaway from like, once you get to the end of the game that it's like, you're it, there isn't any depth to it it's and even like i said so a couple hours into the game you have all the weapons halfway through the game you've seen almost all the enemies or at least all the enemies that you're going to regularly encounter and so then after that it's just more enemies like they do leave the most annoying enemy towards the end there are these like little girls on fire oh yeah and they like spin around you and leave fire everywhere and you have to like shoot the little girl in the face 300 times that's another thing. The, the bad guys in this game are fucking bullet sponges. Like, stop that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And yeah, it's, it's like when they want to ramp up the challenge, it's just more. It's just more. And the late yeah. game stuff is just like comical. Like there's a part where you, there's a couple parts where you get to use turrets. Yeah. And there's one turret part at the end that I was actually laughing. Cause it's just like more of the big gunner dude, yeah. like spawning. Mm-hmm. And you have to just keep rotating in a circle in one direction, the same direction. <laughs> and you're just slowly going around in a circle as more of these guys spawn and you're shooting them. And honestly, I just thought it was so fucking funny. Cause I was like, this is so stupid. And it also, like, totally abandons all the horror aspects. I'd say, like, halfway through the game. Once you get out of the asylum, you're halfway through the game, and the horror elements of the game are just all completely gone. And I think that's when the game gives up on, like, new mechanics, too. Yeah. the asylum does a couple new mechanics, like, oh, you have to shoot film projectors to stop the guy. So, like, little gimmicky mechanics. And then, you know, once it's done with that, it's just retreading the, the action formula until the end of the game. Right. Well, and yeah, it's a good, that's a good point. That even before that, and a couple little parts after that, there's stuff that almost kind of reminded me of like the Evil Within, where there's like yeah, there's puzzle sure. boss fights, and there's like yeah, little interesting mechanics that they bring in. That it's not like you have to learn a new thing or a new way to play, but you just have to be aware of a new thing that mm-hmm. pops up in the game. And it's like that's cool. I don't know. The first couple hours of this game had a lot of promise, and the whole rest of it really i i just didn't enjoy it like it wasn't fun to me it's hard to recommend yeah and so that's like my whole take going into it was like i just don't know how to feel about this game because like it's from 2004 there's a lot of like good and forward thinking and interesting stuff in here but like there's like so much bad stuff yeah (laughs) and then i don't know I, i i just didn't enjoy it and and it's like we've played a lot of really frustrating games on this show but i think for me i'm the kind of person where it's like if i like the underlying mechanics or i think there's something really like innovative or brilliant in there like i'll stick with it like fatal frame one is a great example of that where it's Mm -hmm. like i really love that underlying combat and i like how tough that game is because the other games in the series aren't that tough but like the story's compelling and the it's actually scary yeah well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. It just mechanically, it kept me interested. Yeah. And it had shit going on. And with this game, I don't know. By the time I was at the end, I did not feel that way. Yeah. So, whatever. So, here, here's my big question. You know, like, do action horror games work in terms of being horror? 
This one absolutely does not. Maybe something yeah. like Evil Within is more successful because there's parts of that game that are still scary. Mostly front-loaded, but at least it has scary parts. Yeah. Um, even something like Bioshock is kind of freaky at points. Even though it's not my cup of tea, I mean, I think it does mix action and horror better than this. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think the atmosphere in Bioshock is, is like, really good. Yeah. You know, I have my many criticisms of that game, but the atmosphere is not one of them. And I think, yeah, like... Yeah, you have a really good point. Bioshock is an interesting answer to that question because it just went all in on the atmosphere and the setting and it just made that so creepy that you can't ignore, you know? Yeah. And then with Evil Within, it's actually the opposite approach that I think is just as successful where it just decides to put everything in little compartments and be like, okay, now we're going to do the cinematic uh, walk down the hallway horror. Now we're going to do the stealth action. Now we're just going to do pure action. Now we're going to do like a stealthy horror thing against one big enemy. You know, it's like it very stream, very much streamlines moving through the different types of gameplay, but it's still effective and evil within two, man. Yeah. Holy bananas. We'll get there. You got to get there. Yeah. I, I, I was more scared that this game was going to crash. I was fucking point. terrified, man. I would say I averaged like a crash every 30 to 45 minutes. Goddamn. Yeah. It was rough and a lot of it was like some of it was unpredictable but then some of it was just like always at the same point so i knew it was like a coding thing yeah and so i'd have to be like i i would basically be like uh sort of making arrangements with the game where it's like okay well last time i played this i used my monster power and then it crashed so i'm going to play the same scene but not use my monster power yeah (laughs) or like well last time i did this area and i interacted with this object and it crashed so i'm not going to do that and that had a 50-50 chance. Sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. Ugh. Yeah, that's no fun. Yeah. yeah and pl- replaying big sucked. chunks of this is not fun. Yeah. I think, I think too, it's like if you like this kind of game, if you like third-person PS2 action games, which is sort of like a genre all to its own, like, mm-hmm. you know, State of Emergency, Mark of the Cree, like all these different kinds of games. Like if you like that stuff, I don't know. Maybe it's just a style thing or a nostalgia thing. This game will push that button for you, but mm. I, I don't know. I'm not, I, I like some of those games, but I definitely am not like a first person shooter guy. I frequently say, I just don't like shooting games, which is like one of my favorite grandpa things to say. And like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like, so it's, it's not really for me, but I also just think that on, on, even on those terms, like I don't think it holds up over the whole course of the game. Like, a good FPS really throws a lot of, you know, interesting new mechanics and ideas throughout the game and varies it up. And it doesn't just like keep doing the same thing over and over. Yeah. This, this one's hard to recommend. There are a lot more. Go, just go fucking play Half-Life 1. Like if you want this sort of experience, but actually a good experience, just play Half-Life 1. Well, and I, dude, I would, Half-Life 2 is like a pretty good horror game. It, yeah, but it's, it's, it, it doesn't feel much like this game. Half-Life 1 sure. is more constrained, corridor shooting, light puzzles and exploration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that one's the closest analog to this. Yeah, Half-Life 2 is the better game. But yeah, this one's closer to that. Yeah, I just remember like when Half-Life 2 came out, I remember playing it and being like, 
this is way more of a horror game than I expected. Yeah. You know, like I distinctly had that feeling of like, this is like pretty scary. Especially a couple areas in the game where it's like, this is super tense. Oh yeah, totally. You know, dystopia. Yeah. The true survival horror. (laughs) Yeah. The real survival. horror. We gotta stop saying that. God, it's like my favorite bit and it's not even funny. No, we gotta keep saying it. Okay, sure. All right. I'll never not stop saying that. that is the real survival horror. <laughs> not saying blank is the real survival horror is the real survival horror. Okay. All right. We ruined it. We killed it. <laughs> Drove it right into the ground. Good job. No, right. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think, I think action horror can exist and, and can be effective, but it is much rarer than people think i think resident evil 4 tricked a lot of people into thinking that it was a big genre but resident evil 4 isn't even really that much of a horror game to me right it's like the opening area and then you know it's a good game i really love that game but we'll talk about it someday i specifically want to hear from the people that recommended this game to us what do you guys see in it that we're not seeing are we just taking it a little too seriously you guys just like a little spooky shooty shoot? Yeah. I or I want to Are we that. like super off base too? Like, is there yeah. something that we're missing or, or yeah, like taking certain things too seriously or what? Cause like, like I said, right off the bat, I was like, this is pretty cool. I fuck with this. And I thought it was going to be like funny, cheesy yeah. TBS, like supernatural meets Oz meets, you know, the evil right. then or some shit. Yeah. And then I just, I didn't really get that, and I, I didn't super love what I got. Well, okay, so a little backstory. Like, I played the game first, and I knew Ollie was going to hate it. So I was like, <laughs> oh, man, you're going to fucking hate this. So he started it, and he texted me. He's like, hey, I kind of like this. And I was like, okay. I didn't say anything. And then, like, the next day, he was like, all right, honeymoon's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I played the part that I liked all in one sitting. Mm-hmm. all in one night like yeah. the first two hours of the game i just like burned through and i was like this is pretty fucking good and then right after that it was like oh oh come on <laughs> big nope yeah once yeah. you hit the shower scene that's where like i was like fuck this game sucks yeah but i will say too this game is like all over the internet for free because it was free for many years like you get a free right. download yeah. like, everywhere so it is all over the internet for free it's not even like pirating anymore it's just like out there it's abandonware or something it's yeah there is a version that's on gog for sale but it's functionally abandonware so if you are curious and you like some of the stuff we've been talking about or you're curious to play like a sort of proto triple a action horror game from the 360 era like I don't know. I mean, you can get it for free and play the first two hours and be satisfied. And you can, you have my word, you know, honest to goodness that (laughs) none of the plot beats actually get wrapped up. So yeah, like you can watch the ending cutscene if you really want to know what happened to Torque's family. And that's the only thing they address everything else. There's no explanations. There's no big reveals. It's just like, it is what it is. So if you want to play it that way, I mean, that's kind of a recommend from me. I mean, can't go wrong. I would say if you're going to play this game, what you need to do is shoplift it and (laughs) risk going to jail. Sure. And get that authentic prison experience because you're not going to get it here. I mean, you'd have to go to a thrift store and 
Uh, I don't think thrift stores care if you steal shit, man. Rob a GameStop <laughs> with a NES zapper and see if they'll <laughs> give you the suffering. If you find the GameStop that has a copy of the suffering, send me the location. I'm curious because that is a wild ass GameStop, dude. All right. That's all I can say about this fucking game. One and a half stars. Holy shit. Joe Bob's angry. One and a half stars. It's worse than Chud. Wow. I'd rather watch Chud than play this game. Well, sure, but Chud's great. No, it's not. Have you seen Chud? Yeah. It's horrible. I love it, though. (laughs) You only get like 30 seconds of Chud and Chud. Yeah, well, that's why you rewind the tape, dude. (laughs) Watch the highlights again. Yeah, come on. Yeah. All right, Game Club? Yeah. Let's, what are get, we, what uh, are we let's never talk about this game again. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure. Okay, so we're rolling into the end of the year. We're going to do 16-bit month. We've got a short list of 16-bit and 16-bit inspired games that we're going to run down. Yep. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, dude. Uh, next week, we're doing the Splatterhouse Trilogy. Yes. Uh, Splatterhouse 1 was on the TurboGrafx-16 and the Arcade. Splatterhouse 2 and 3 were both Sega Genesis exclusives. Yes. And then the week after that, I believe we're doing Zombies Ate My Neighbors and Ghoul Patrol. Nice. It's lesser-known sequel. It's lesser-appreciated sequel. Yeah. I have very little experience with Ghoul Patrol, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, I don't actually think I've ever played it. Yeah, uh, people don't like it as much, and I'm gonna I'm gonna see why. We're gonna find out. I played a fuck ton of Zombies Ate My Neighbors. It was like oh, yeah. it was a good solid ten years of my upbringing that like every one of my like good friends who lived near me who I'd go to their house all the time had that game. So you just like pop it in and play it while you were doing other shit. It was a classic. One thing I'll say is that the acronym is a awesome band name, and no one has taken it yet. Zam, Z A M N. Wouldn't that be a great oh. band name? Yeah. I might edit that out. We might need to start a email band called that. <laughs> it's like damn, but with a Z. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah. And then, yeah. you know, j- just just to say what we're going to play for the rest of the month. Yeah. A- after it. that, we're going to do uh, all these recommendations. Lone Survivor. Yes. Which I know nothing about. Yes. And then uh, Yume Nikki. Yes. The legendary Yume Nikki, which I've never played. So it's going to be really cool. Are you ready? I don't think you're ready for that episode. I don't think you understand how obsessed with that game I am. I'll have to prepare my body. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) Prepare to be disappointed in me, because you're just like, Jesus, shut the fuck up, dude. (laughs) It's going to be great. When I met Ollie, he was in a band called Yume Nikki. Yeah, I played with your band. (laughs) I I saw that like before we left for tour. I was like, oh, we're playing with a band called Yume Nikki. They must be fucking nerds. And like... I mean, true, the shoe fits, but hey, that's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah, it was very weird. That show was, that was probably like the best show we played, and it was like so weird. It was funny because like the first time I ever saw you, you like, you like brought your own like mixer and everything. Yes. You had this like giant mess of a fucking setup. And so you were there with like your glasses, like pushing your glasses up, like hooking up this giant mixer and shit. It was awesome. (laughs) I was like, this dude fucks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that was your reaction because, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) Sick. Well, yeah, that's going to be super fun. Yeah. Um, It'll be a fun month. 
we got some other ideas too so yeah coming up so cool all right well that's what we're doing for the rest of the year so see you later (laughs) stay tuned haters